By the way, that scene where he's on the hill and his cargo pants pockets are flopping in the wind <laughs> made me want to fucking gouge my eyes out. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science of the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. I'm Frida. And this week's movie is Patch Adams. At last, we've arrived. The one that everyone has been waiting for. (laughs) Patch Adams. So many requests for it. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we're here at last. Just, um, how are you doing? Yeah, why? Abby just said, Abby just was like, it's hard to, it's hard to be motivated when you're all. (laughs) It is, (laughs) and it just killed me. I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, it's 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 hard to be motivated when you're basically, uh, feel like. A pile of mashed potatoes. <laughs> pile of mashed potato. That's a good way to describe it. Actually. We're being really stupid. I know. Is I feel like it's because my brain broke. What made you? <laughs> my brain just feel like it just. I want. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing that classic thing that you do when you're like in in, in academia, where I took a week off work and the entire week all I've done is not sleep and stress about the fact that I'm not doing rest properly you know it's like I'll take a week off so I'll get some sleep and then I couldn't sleep so then it was like why can't you sleep what's wrong with you you should be sleeping this is your time to sleep you're taking time off so just sleep what the hell and then the next night you don't sleep again it's like oh you're such an idiot why are you not taking like this is your rest time you're ruining all of your rest time you may as well just be at work what are you doing it's like the end of the week and I'm just like cool I'm exhausted I go back to work now (laughs) fucking hell an idiot well, I relate a little bit. It's just my PhD anxiety in my brain just yeah. going, Meh. Anxiety. There's a part. <laughs> I'm always here. If I take a day off work to, you know, I mean, people take a day off work or a few days with lockdowns. It's so emotionally exhausting that mm. I think it's pretty normal for people just to be like, I'm out. Sorry. <laughs> so what I end up doing is the day sort of starts off and I'm like, day off. And as I get closer to the middle of the day, I'm like, I'm wasting my day off. And then I get to the end of the day and I was like, that was it. That was my whole day off. Done. You didn't do it it. right. And so if I take a Friday off, so I give myself a three-day weekend, I'll get to end of Friday. I was like, fucked it. Now, Saturday's basically Sunday. Sunday's basically Monday. You idiot. Yeah. I had one day where like I had a doctor's appointment at two, like literally just a phone appointment at two o'clock for like 10 minutes just to renew a prescription. That's all it was. And I was like, well, that day's gone. Can't do anything on that day. That's a whole day. That's a whole holiday gone. This one doctor's appointment at two. Well, I do have, I finally, oh, this is funny. You remember my book chapter? So yeah. So they released, I didn't know this, but they're releasing it in bits. So they released the first bit and my chapter wasn't in it. And I was like, and my chapter's not in it. They're now publishing my chapter. It's, and, and I was like, I'm too scared to ask them why, because they're going to say, 
I'm sorry, Dr. Werdiger, your chapter is just not good enough. <laughs> in my head, I was like, that's it. They looked at my chapter. They said, this is not good enough. We're leaving it out. <laughs> they were like, Complete all the other chapters spiral. are a certain standard. Frida's was not on that standard. So we've left hers out and hers alone. Who will tell her? (laughs) I love the fear, though. I love the idea that you're like, you're too scared to ask why. It's like, I just won't say anything about it. It's fine. We'll just pretend that never happened. I I never wrote the book chapter. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay to ask where the fuck is my book chapter. (laughs) Do you want to talk about the movie? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this movie, all right. Yeah, because it's, it's all about to get so serious. <laughs> Patch fucking Adams. Wait, can I just say before you get into it, I was just thinking now, I was like, I always realise when, when I listen to our recordings that I laugh a lot and my laughter sounds, sometimes it sounds really weird. And I'm just like, this is why we need to be putting out video recordings of our conversations because they don't get to see your face and the shit that you be doing sometimes that makes me just laugh. <laughs> like, I need people to understand. This is genuine <laughs> from the caricature that I look at sometimes. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry. Patch Adams. Patch Adams. Patch Adams. <clears throat> 1998's Patch Adams opens with a depressed Patch, Robin Williams of course, checking himself into a psychiatric institution where he cures everyone just through the laughter. This inspires him to go to medical school, but he is unhappy with the standard of things. Everyone should be sillier. Hierarchy sucks. Hospital protocols are bore. Death is normal. Everyone is a doctor. Treat the patient, not the disease. And so many other issues are brought up, not explored very deeply. But there are a lot of scenes where Robin Williams improvises and lots of cargo pants. That is one thing that I know for sure. There's an illegal medical practice. Someone is murdered by a patient. What was the point of all of that? What did the butterflies mean? In the end, the board of doctors decided... Yeah, yeah, if you want to try a new thing, like, that's totally fine. You can try a new thing. And then he's naked at the graduation. Also, there's a tub of spaghetti. Make everything your joke, even death, and then you win every single time. So that's my... Did I just sum... Did I I explain the movie? You did just summarize it. And, like, even in the summary, it's just like, (laughs) what is this movie? (laughs) I so like the summary didn't help. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Still, what is this movie? <laughs> I went through a lot of stages with this movie, bef- you know, before. Well, look, let's not. Let's first, Abby, tell me what you thought of this movie. Right. I thought that it was a very sweet story. Uh huh. Sort of. I thought that it was super naff. I was kind of thinking. I, I was thinking that maybe it was like. Is it that because it's like late 90s, do you think that it came out at a time when movies were starting to change slightly? So it just, whereas we were so used to these types and style of movies, maybe late 80s, early 90s, by the end of the 90s, we were just like, oh, tropes. Oh, like the sweet, so the sort of. Everything's all nice. Nothing here is creepy at all. Everything is just wholesome wholesome content but also not not making <laughs> like, any like serious 
point about the world. It's about these individuals oh, not making any critique of any yeah. institutions, like any serious assessment of anything. You know, it was so filled with serious topics. There were so many serious things happened that they just didn't hone in on and make any real kind of commentary on it they just made light of it and I think a movie like that nowadays people would rip to absolute fucking shreds for making light Mm. of such big um big situations that I know we'll talk about yeah if you made that movie nowadays it'd be so much more in-depth criticism it'd probably be more realistic close to the story we'll get into that later yeah before we get into all of that the film was a huge success it grossed US dollars, 202 million worldwide. Holy shit. So actually, like a lot of people saw it. Um, I think it came at an interesting time. This is just off the cuff. I think it when you're saying in the 90s, I think it came at an interesting time in terms of Robin Williams' career. And hold that thought. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I just have to repeat what we went through at the end of last full episode what roger ebert said about this movie we just have to repeat it okay he he said this pat adams made me want to spray the screen with lysol the movie is shameless it is not merely a tearjerker it extracts tears individually by liposuction without anesthesia (laughs) and i'm just going to keep going because um in the show Siskel and Ebert, so that was Rog Ebert and Gene Siskel, um, they thought that the character of Patch was overbearing, obnoxious and sanctimonious, and they noted they would never trust a doctor who acted like Adams. <laughs> now, this is what co-host Gene Siskel said. And by the way, um, they singled it out as the worst movie of 1998 it was the last film he ever gave worst of to before he died in 1999 that's gene siskel wow gene siskel said i would rather turn my head and cough than see another moment of patch adams again (laughs) (laughs) so so funny so harsh (laughs) um i just wanted to say that interesting so critics hated it box Mm. office loved it um yeah what else about before we get into cast um i have something to say about the soundtrack do you have anything to say about the soundtrack before i have two things to say about the soundtrack (laughs) (laughs) the constant swelling of music annoyed the absolute fuck out of me beyond anything it was basically just like Okay, okay, something emotional is going to come up yes. in a minute. It's going to come up. Not just yet, not yet. Hold back, hold back, hold back. Okay, just a little bit. Feel a little bit. No, pull down, pull down. No, nearly, nearly. Are you ready? Are you ready? Not yet, not yet. Now! Feel emotion now! You right are, now! Yes. Emotion, emotion, emotion! Correct. Yes, it pissed me like... off so much. 56% of the movie has background music. <laughs> it's just like, chill out. Go away. I know. Constant. <laughs> It drives me crazy. <laughs> I think some of the music is probably nice on its own. I think that... I don't like, know. I stopped I'm caring. sure that it's nice. But, like, do we need mm. help? There's sick children in a hospital being entertained by a clown. Like, who needs assistance with understanding what that's supposed to feel like? Or me. Like, <laughs> we get sick children. Like, it's... Jesus. The music was... 
um, not helpful. And um, <laughs> for fifty for one hour out of one hour and forty eight minutes was music swelling in the background. Um, cast chat. Yeah. So, firstly, look, Robin Williams is in this movie. Um, Where? <laughs> Sorry. He is. It's very sad. Robin Williams, he died in August the 11th, 2014, at age 63. Um, actually, the autopsy revealed he was suffering from Lewy Body's disease. Oh, wow. Which is a kind of dementia. Well, it's called dementia with Lewy bodies, and it can make you very depressed, and that probably was a big part of it. Oh, bless. Um, but it, Robin Williams, he has a warmth, and he really can emote, and he's he's very touching. He's, he's got – he adds a lot. I just think when he's trying, like, carrying the whole movie, that's when yeah. it's a bit – putting too much on him. You said it when we did – you said that, that really – that really – um <laughs> cutting line when we did the Zathora mini episode about how like the the difference between Zathora and Jumanji and it's because Robin Williams has heart and he brought heart to it warmth warmth yeah 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 even it's like a silly side character he does so much to it speaking Mm. of which the same can be said for I actually cannot compare them in terms of abilities but Mm. in terms of what they what happens when they're in a little role Philip Seymour Hoffman is also in this movie He's also died in 2014, same year as Robin Williams did. Yeah, well, how, do you have any feelings about Philip Seymour Hoffman? I just, just the fact that he was there, just the fact that they were both there together. Mm. I just, I found I it kind of actually emotional to watch the two of them and just to feel kind of that sadness of like knowing that you won't get to watch the two of them again kind of thing, you know, it's just like... Yeah, it's so I don't know. Sad. I like. I just. Uh, yeah, I agree with you as well about him. I think he's been. Uh, I just think he's fantastic. Amazing. And I would love to see more, but we cannot. Alas, it's so sad. Um, I remember when he died, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I just was so upset. I actually pulled my car over when I oh. heard that on the radio because he. Yeah, like it doesn't. It doesn't matter what he does. He's just amazing in everything and in this one just his inflections the way he uses his hands the way he like everything is just so committed yeah it's very yeah, that good. scene is awesome when he's basically saying you know and they're both right they're like none of them are wrong he's going like i know what it's like what it takes to become a doctor you can't get involved in every patient and robert williams is like being a prick isn't a necessary part of doing anything mm. it's irrelevant yeah it was a great scene any other cast comments from you? I mean, we obviously just have to mention the fact that Alan Tudyk was in it, but that's all. <laughs> just like for two seconds at the start, it was just my moment where I was just like, <gasps> there he is again. And we still it haven't done anything with therapy? him in a main role, which is driving me crazy. I have to find something for us to do with him in a main role. But like, it was just like, ah, oh, there he is. Yeah. And I, I had um, the, the Dean is the guy from Shawshank Redemption, the warden. Oh, evil man of institution. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just his uh, his role, is it? I was just trying to figure out if that was um, Alan Tudyk's first role. It was. Was his this first Alan role. Tudyk's first role? Okay. 
Well, look what we happened upon. Look what it's we happened so upon. It's so random. That is so random. There's, of course, the old lady from, uh, she was like the old ah! lady from 90s movies. The wedding, uh, wedding, the wedding singer. I said a hip, yeah. hop, hip, hip to the hip, 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 to the the father from Fargo. I didn't even bother yeah. being like, who is he and who does he play and what's the actor's name? I was like, that's the father it's from just, Fargo. Yeah. There's that moment where you're like, like everyone else is just, this is just 90s movies. <laughs> this is the 90s movies, people. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's enough production stuff, I think, for now. Um, before we get into tropes, I was struggling to find a theme for this movie because, yeah, it's like all over the place. Um <laughs> But I picked up on, I don't know, there's this theme that comes up or butterflies come up a lot, but let's just ignore that. But look beyond, thank you, Abby. Look beyond the fingers. How many fingers am I holding up? (laughs) Four, you idiot. If I do what I see, five. I don't get the eight. I I don't get it. So is the answer look beyond the fingers, it's double that? (laughs) (laughs) The answer is double. I think that look beyond the fingers is like, they don't really do a good job of executing it, but it might be like, look beyond what's obviously there or like, look beyond what's the system that's in place. Look beyond. Mm. I mean, well, (laughs) that's my half assed attempt (laughs) at extracting meaning from look beyond the fingers is um, uh, do something different. Yeah. This is the thing that you always see. Now kind of try to focus at a different point on it. And you go, oh, look, a different way to approach it. That gives a different result and a different meaning. So, hey, hey, laughter. There you go. <laughs> yeah, good. You t- Exactly. There you go. Different. A new and different way of looking at things. Okay, let's move on. Tropes. I have three... <laughs> Do you have any tropes? <laughs> What's your trope of the week, Abby? I went Okay, I went with one big one because it just... Oh, the, it's just the classic, um, the romantic relationship <sighs> as a whole is just my trope. Like, just this idea that, like, it... <laughs> I don't even know how to speak about this. Basically, it's a standard thing for movies. I think it's kind of stopped a little bit more so in recent years. But this standard thing in movies of um, young girl, older guy, actors wise, you know, like and that the romance in that way is fine. But like the whole thing was just creepy. He was basically Uh, stalking her at the start, like and harassing her. It was just I like, have a bit to say about it, like at the end end yeah. and then in the middle, we'll go through like how much of that was true. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Agreed. Can I can I give you what my what I thought was a great line, though? Because I do. I yeah. think that she played it very well in the responses. And, and because we're going to get to it later, I won't I won't get into it. But there was a moment where I think he says something like, um, uh, what are you running away from? Or you're just running away from something. This is a classic fucking line that gets said in all these movies. You know, it's like, oh, she doesn't, 
She's 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 holding back. She's not willing to let go. She's got her walls up. Why won't she let her walls be knocked down? What are you running away from? And her response was, why can't it be that I'm running away from you? And I was like, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. She, she, she goes, go away. And he's like, what could she mean by yeah. that? <laughs> Oh my god, shit. Yeah. All right. Okay, so, so I'll leave, I'll leave that there then for for later. So what were your we, what were your troops? Your list of I them? just have a Well, I just want to give a special note to 30 second movie lectures, which was oh, my first yes. ever trope. Yes. They had one. Um we can talk a bit more about it later, plus I have the whole transcript of that 30 second movie lecture. Amazing. I had a I had a small <laughs> one just I don't know what to call this exactly, but it, it, the dialogue goes like this. The dean says, students don't have contact with patients until the third year. And he's like, yes, sir, but don't you think? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, that whole like, don't, but don't you think? Uh, you know, it's like, okay. Uh, I don't know what to call that. It's tropey. But my, my, my trope of the week is reclusive, wealthy person, candlelight, grand piano, fur <laughs> it's like this is the random murderer that turned up yeah halfway through yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's like there is a random murderer in the middle of this movie isn't there yeah Yeah. it's all right okay Okay. weren't expecting that cool (laughs) so okay those are our tropes let's get into some science starting with environments of science in the movie i would say we have the start of the movie, we've got an institution. So let's start there. <laughs> Psychiatric institution that the movie starts off with, um, where he uh, commits himself uh, because he's feeling suicidal. Anything to say about that one? <laughs> what do you think about it? Like, I mean, if you want it, like, I mean, in reality, this whole movie is a fucking trope because... That, from, that I just was like, is this how they would really treat someone who does like if you walked into an institution saying I'm feeling suicidal, I'd like to sign myself in for some help. Is that what like would you be put into the room with the very obviously unstable person? Would you be put in a therapy group with a bunch of people who have ranging different types of conditions and different levels Mm. of stability when you're somebody who is like this is what I'm saying about them taking a serious topic and treating it very flippantly for the laugh for Mm -hmm. the comedy and it's making fun of people who are institutionalized and it was kind of like this whole kind of oh he's supposed to be a bit off kilter because oh everyone's crazy and he's just (laughs) suicidal it was just, I just found it very uncomfortable. And I don't know if it's that because I'm looking at it with the lens of today instead of like in the 90s, but where it was more acceptable to make these types of like mm-hmm. comments and, and treat and um, characters based on these types of people. And I was just like, I don't know. I just felt really like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. Making fun of them, making light of it. Mm. Also like, why, yeah, why is, he, why is a suicidal person in group therapy with a catatonic person? What's exactly the point there? That seems like it's kind of stupid. But they, they're, like, they're like Robin Williams' character. Patch Adams, don't make fun of you. You're making fun of them. But I'm like, this movie's making fun of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the 
movie's making fun of him. Also, they're and just like making rude fun to of him. The whole order. Now I get there's definitely going to be institutions out there where like the orderlies are shits. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. it. We see it in the news all the time when the stories come out about people mistreating patients. But like that whole like, I don't know. It just was like, is this or is this supposed mm. to be more of a comment on like the medical profession being so stiff and rigid and and rude and yeah. Robin Williams is the or Patch Adams is the light happy. I guess, well, a couple yeah. of things we hit. What role a psychiatric institution had in the real Patch Adams life? We'll get into later. Okay. And I guess things have changed a lot. But these days, I mean, I looked into you know where I am. Most people decide for themselves whether they go to hospital or not. Right. And you're free to go whenever you want. So he checked himself in, right. and then eventually he was like, "This isn't helping me. I'll leave," which is which is free to do. And one of the reasons why he left was because he felt like yeah. his the psychiatrist or the counsellor was not listening to, wasn't particularly interested in anything he had to say. Did that strike you as realistic? So, <laughs> Mayor What's Richard that? Wilkins? He fucked me off so much. Oh my God, Buffy. The counsellor. It's Mayor Richard Wilkins from Buffy. Um, That whole thing with, yeah, with the that whole therapist thing. It's just like the inattentiveness <laughs> to a suicidal person. Are you fucking shitting me? Like, what the hell are you doing? He was so, oh my God, the irritation that I felt. I wanted, I actually wanted to step into the movie, reach across the table and slap him across the face. And I'm sorry, that's promoted violence, but you know. Uh, but you know what's really super weird is that it. Re- this is not something that is outside the realms of possibility. Of course, we know that. But as in, when I first moved to the UK, I went to counselling. I've been to counselling a number of times because I think it's good to, you know, when you're struggling with something to go and talk to someone. And I went to a counsellor and I think it was our third session. She fell asleep. No. In what? our session, she she nodded off in our session while I was speaking. And I'm I was sorry. going through a very, very difficult time. And I have never been so embarrassed. Because I obviously didn't take it as like, oh, you know, she's bad at her job. I took it as my problems are so petty and like insignificant that I'm boring my counsellor with my own voice. <laughs> I'm so sorry like, that happened I left to you. and I was like, I've never been so sad. And I, I never went back. <laughs> they tried to call me a few times for a minute and I just never went back. And I've been to other counsellors since who have been like fantastic and wonderful um, and, and incredibly helpful. So I know it's not about me, but I was just like, yeah, there are counsellors out there who literally... And for whatever reason, I'm not I'm not saying that she like she might have had her own fucking shit going on. She might have had to listen to however many people. I don't know. But yeah, there are people out there who are not going to be beneficial to you. And this guy was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Not all. Ca- yeah. You can have shitty counselors. You can have shitty hospitals. Yeah. You can have all sorts of things. <laughs> so moving on from the university we go into the hospital environment where they're, um, it's like a teaching hospital. So relevant to the hospital um, 
the hospital environment and this is brought up as like the standard of care in america and there's like a very small insignificant scene in a diner where they all start talking about insurance oh yeah and there's also another scene where there are a bunch of forms where someone has to fill out forms even though it's like oh this might be the last moment i have with my daughter i don't want to fill out forms and they talk about like the hot the environment of a hospital and insurance companies and all this sort of thing So I thought it might be relevant for us to sort of break down what exactly is up with the U.S. in terms of health care. Right. As it's distinguishing from other countries. And that lays a little bit the groundwork of what Patch Adams was trying to do and what he is continuing to do. All right. Is that good? Yeah, absolutely. I have no idea. I just I see all the stuff um, in the news but I have very little understanding of what actually happens over there other than I know they pay a fuck ton more for simple Mm. medical supplies and procedures than we would yeah it's very very complicated but the way I decided to distill it is basically like this so healthcare system in a country um is made up of two parts who pays for it and who provides it right Mm -hmm. universal healthcare is basically where a country provides healthcare to all citizens as a right. Yes. Okay. And then how systems are distinguished from one another is to do with, well, the ins and outs of where that money comes from and where people go to get care. So we don't need to get into that really because that is so freaking complicated. Mm. But most wealthy nations generally have a single payer system available to all legal residents. So single payer as in they're paid for by one government source. We in Australia have Medicare available to all citizens and paid for by one source. The UK has the NHS, NHS, National Health Service available for everybody. Um, Canada also has medical care available for everybody. That's not to say there aren't other ways to get medical care, right? Mm -hmm. But this is available to all people. So it's all a mixed bag and everything like that. But um, what is the issue with the U.S., right? What's the deal with the U.S.? The thing about the U.S., it doesn't have a healthcare system. It actually has multiple systems that cover a percentage of the population to differing degrees. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, for example, you can qualify for Medicare if you are over 65, And if you're very, very poor, you can qualify for a different system, Medicaid. And the rest, all the people in the middle, is covered through private health insurance that's purchased outright, you know, quite expensive per month, or you can get it through full-time employment. So what ends up happening in the US is that there remain a lot of people without coverage who can't afford to pay for healthcare, who might therefore be refused healthcare at the point of care or who end up going into medical bankruptcy. And actually the most common type of bankruptcy in the U S is medical bankruptcy. So you have all these different systems and the same with every country that has a public system is that what ends up happening, unfortunately, is they get shaved away. So the age to access it might change or the amount of services that are made available might change. Those things end up getting shaved away. In the US, I think it's a constant struggle to expand or diminish what's available um, from single-payer systems. So that is pretty much sets up really simply what is the problem in the US. 
That's my kind of shitty summary. It just makes me of sad. Of a very complicated thing. It, it is sad. sad. It makes me very sad that I, it makes... Look, I don't understand American politics enough to really comment too much on it. But when you see all these things about people who are against universal healthcare, I just don't understand. Like, I can't comprehend it. I honestly do not comprehend where it comes from that you wouldn't want that. Like, mm-hmm. I I mean, Jesus, like, I'm obviously, like, I'm not from the UK, but I've lived in the UK for, like, nearly 10 years now. And the NHS is a godsend. It's, like, I don't ever have to worry about that. If I need to see the doctor, I just go to the doctor. I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about whether I can afford it. I don't have to worry yeah. about, you know, like, I, I have a continuing medical condition that I have to take, um, I have to take medication for every day. And that's covered. I don't have to pay for that. I don't have to worry about whether I can afford it next month or or this month or last month. I have a medical exemption for it. The NHS pays for my medication because it's something that I have to take every single day. Yeah. For other wealthy countries, uh, healthcare is a human right. Yeah. And it should be. We have the option, like, I do go to a women's clinic near where I live that that does charge quite a big out-of-pocket fee. I choose to do that for whatever reason. But there are clinics where you can get free healthcare if you need free healthcare. There's also sexual health clinics here that I could just walk into. I could just, if I'm like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. out of my pill prescription, I could just walk to a sexual health clinic um, in the morning and just, I might have to wait an hour or two before I can be seen because first come, first serve. But like you can go in and I could, I've walked into a clinic before and had a woman kind of go, do you want to just get your smear test done? And I was like, oh. And yeah. she was like, have you had any, um, like, uh, have you had tests done for, you know, just like um, general kind of blood tests and um, HIV tests and just things, just general um, mm-hmm. STD tests. And I was just there. I was there for a pill prescription. And I was like, oh, I haven't had that done recently. And she was kind of like, do you want to just get them done? And I was like, cool. Yeah, yeah let's do done. it. Don't even get me fucking started, but you will get me started. Yeah. That's really fucked with the women's health care in America because those, I mean... They sort of bundle up a lot of things together. Mm. Let's say abortion, the debate, which yeah. fucking should it be a debate? But they also end up depriving women of fucking healthcare, basically. Yeah. Um, here, like for example, things like the morning after pill. You go to a chemist, you get the morning after pill. It's twenty bucks. Yeah, they make you fill out a dumb form, which is like, when did you have sex and why? <laughs> and, and you and you have to fill out the form, and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you have to fill this form out. But like, it's done, and you yeah. get it's twenty dollars. I don't know how, how it works in America, but it's probably, I I don't know. Actually, I'm not I'm not going to yeah. comment. But can we segue? Speaking of the cervix, yeah, sure. Something in this movie? No, I can't. Fucking. We'll talk about it later. We're going to yeah, talk about this later? We're going to talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> Gynecology. It's, it's hilarious. It's so fucking hilarious. Okay. Moving on. Scientists. Let's get into oh who God. is our scientist in this movie. I want to separate Patch Adams' real life from Patch Adams in the movie. Yeah. So let's start. What do you think about our character in the movie, Patch Adams? Thoughts? <laughs> I found him really irritating. Did you agree with Regine Siskel that he's kind of sanctimonious, arrogant? I was, yeah, I was like this whole kind of like, shit. But the whole like rule breaking, the whole like, oh, you're all old fuddy duddies, you don't understand joy. I was like, you're a first year student, get the fuck out of the hospital. What are you doing? Like, I know. This whole, I know better and 
constantly breaking the rules constantly like being told like look (laughs) this is just a rule you can't treat patients until you're in your third year and yeah I'm sorry fine if he wants if he's treating with laughter but I certainly do not need a first year medical student coming in and going no I know better than the doctors (laughs) that are established I know It's one I thing making the kids laugh. That's one thing. I get I get the whole like just bringing a bit of joy, but pretending you're a doctor, how was he not kicked out straight away? Yeah. Also, what 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 were you trying to do? What what is your point? Don't get me started. All right, next science character to talk about Mitch. Roommate Mitch, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, mm. so we've got he's the serious guy. He is the doctor whose father was a doctor's father's father. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he's very serious about it. Any thoughts on Mitch? I thought he was perfect. Oh. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, I he was well, exactly... He was really fleshed out. Yeah, he was just there, like, there with his books and his studying and being, of course, and I and I know, like, people who are like that. You're very intelligent, but you work hard for it. You're working hard to make sure that you be the best and you do the best. And then this jackass comes along and is just like, oh, let's all be silly. It's fine. And then they ace all the fucking exams and you're like, you prick. <laughs> Who are you? So I was like, yeah, this is I not mean, a joke. Yeah, I, I totally got him. I was like, I, I feel you, Mitch. I feel you, man. I know. Seriously, I'm in agreement completely and totally. All right, next science science character we have Truman Schiff, the Jew best friend. Ah. Now, well, maybe he isn't Jewish, but anyway. So we got Truman Schiff. It's like the reluctant sidekick. I thought he would betray him. I, I got feelings from him of like, are you going to betray him? I, I get reluctance from you, but no, loyal to the very end. Mm. Any thoughts about Truman? Ah, he was there. <laughs> I, I just, they had the worst science chat I've ever seen. I, I've got the, I've got the screenplay here. Just want to read out the bullshit, the bullshit in their first conversation. You know, why do you want to be a doctor? Why do you want to be a doctor type thing? And he's like, I've always... I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by the development of the human mind, says Truman Schiff. Ah, pumping neurons. And he's like, we start off so open and spontaneous. We're all real individuals. Then somewhere along the way, we're drawn to conform. It's as if... I don't know who's saying what. I don't give a shit. It's as if we're conditioned by program responses. Well, that's true. But sometimes you can alter the program response just by changing some of the conditions, altering the parameters. Let me show you. We'll call it the hello experiment. The goal will be to break through program responses by changing normal parameters and getting a new emotional response from the person. Ready to enter data? Okay, <laughs> science. Was... Let's do an experiment. Parameters. Do you know what? Altering. I wasn't even paying attention when they were doing. I didn't even know that that's all the shit that they were talking about. I was just like blah 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 blah. blah, blah. And then he was hanging upside down from a lamppost. And then there's that super cheesy moment. He's like, wait, wait, wait. And she turns around and oh, you. She's like, oh, they're like, we did it. It's like what the fuck is stupid. All right, last person to bring up because I'm not going to go through everybody, but then of course we have Corinne. We've yeah. spoken about her briefly about her get her she's go away, Corinne. Um, <laughs> um, she wants to be a doctor. She wants the she wants the prominence. She is fighting in a system where she is a minority. Yeah, she wants that prominence. She wants that doctor. She don't want to work against the system. She wants to be recognized by the system. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. She a uh, 100% believable as well cuz like 
wouldn't you be so irritated too if you're like okay fine I get where you're coming from and it might be a good idea but I'm already having to fight against everything else to just be here and you want me to now go outside of the norm yeah when you're uh, there just kind of feeling like you're the only one you don't need some jackass telling you yeah but let's do things different I know it's not a good time to be trying to go against the system. It's like, let me get accepted by the system before I start to challenge it. Because if you if you come in, you're like, they don't think I belong. And the first thing you do is be like, you're doing everything wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can we can we redo this story with Corinne in the role of Patch Adams and see how that would have gone down? Yeah. And not everybody has the privilege, as it were, to, to start yeah. fucking with the system. <laughs> I, I love that speech she gave. She was like, I want... He's like, when did Doctor become such a dumb thing? She's like, I want to be called Doctor, you fuck. Yeah. I want that. Fuck I want you for that. for telling me that that's stupid. <laughs> you, I, you want it? I wanted it too. I'm yeah. fucking... Everyone calls me Doctor. Even my grandmother, I correct her. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway. So we've, we, we have... I really want to do get to this part now because there's so many things that happened in the movie and did or did not or to varying degrees happen in real life so i think it's really time to really clear the air on this by playing a game yay let's play real versus fake i'll say things that happened in the movie you'll tell me if it was real or if it was fake okay are you ready yes all right patch adams helped his roommate in the psychiatric institution inspiring him to help others real not at fucking oh. all. His roommate actually scared him. Well, so he that... went into the hospital, suicidal, right? He was in, mm-hmm. I think three times he was institutionalized. He was suicidal when he was younger and he was put in an institution. The person that he roomed with frightened him. He thought, I don't want to end up like that. Right. So when he was institutionalized and he was suicidal at that point of his life, he decided to get out of it. And this is what he's quoted as saying quite a lot. He said, Instead of being suicidal, I thought I should start a revolution. <laughs> I'm going to change the whole world around me because that's what's broken. So actually, it was the opposite. He didn't cure his roommate, help his roommate. He saw his roommate and he thought, shit, I better get the fuck out of here. Right. All right. Now, Patch got his name by fixing a cup. False. It is false. This is where he got his nickname Patch from. So his name is Hunter. Patch came from, it was in the mental institution, the mental, excuse me, that it was in the psychiatric institution because he had a friendship with somebody. And that person said that it filled the loneliness in his life and nicknamed him Patch. Oh, that's cute. It's far more beautiful than fixing a cup. Yeah. Why? Why why did they have to? Why couldn't they have just done that? Let's right. keep going. Too cheesy for the Patch movie. Adams. The real story Patch was too cheesy for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Patch Adams. Patch Adams was old. Um, <laughs> false? It's so false. Oh, so okay. he was born in 1945. He graduated from medical school at 1971, making him, at the time of his graduation, 27 years old. Oh, come on. Is this, did so they ex- basically just do this because they were like, we want Robin Williams to play this character yes. and he's old. So yes. oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yes, exactly. So 
Robin Williams signed on and they were like, it's fine. It'll be fine. Amazing. All right. Patch Adams experimented on random strangers to get them to smile like in the movie. Is that true or false? True. It's basically, it is true. So he experimented with friendliness. Okay. So he, he says it's not actually easy to get people to warm to and make them laugh. He would call hundreds of wrong numbers, pretending to be a sociology student or anything that he could do to help draw people out. Out in public, he would engage strangers in conversation as much as possible. For example, he says, I rode elevators to see how many floors it would take to get occupants introduced to one another or even singing songs together. (laughs) I'm sure he wasn't as pretentious as they were, though, making it like, we're people of science, we're going to do it in a science way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next. Patch Adams' girlfriend was moited. Oh, I don't... I know she died, but I don't know if she was murdered. False. False. So he so had a male friend who was killed. So why put that in the fucking story? Sorry. I know. Not only was it a male that was murdered, he had a friend. Yeah. <clears throat> so he wasn't old and she wasn't murdered. So they had to put a romance that wasn't there with but the I, old person. Like they, none of that was true. Why did I they do it? I thought he did meet his first wife in medical school. Yes. He met his first wife, Linda, at medical school. She was not murdered. Okay. <laughs> they divorced. They had two sons and divorced sometimes okay, cool. later. But yes, he did meet his wife. She what was, was and, the and point then, of that story? Was the whole point know. of that story to just give him some sort of conflict, like to give that, that standard moment in the movie, like where he turns his back on his beliefs and then he has to be pulled back in by uh, Mitch. Truman Schiff. Mitch is the one who was, Oh, it was you know, Mitch. Right. Yeah. It was like Mitch was the one who was against it and then he pulled her or some shit like, ah. Oh, Come on, man. That was so unnecessary. There was no point. All of the bits of the movie was like, what was the point of that? Wait, whoa. It's the, there's a lot going on. Yes. but So next thing relating to Linda, Patch Adams, did he fill uh, his room with balloons at any point while he was at I mean, university? I want to say yes now just because you've he even did, brought he it did up. It. He did it on a day. I know. <laughs> did he? I know. <laughs> it's, it's way too it specific. To be, yes. Yeah. So he did that on a date with Linda. That yes, is adorable. With his wife, Linda. Yeah. That is very And sweet. she came back. She said, I was just on the weirdest date. Uh, this guy's fantastic. I think I'm going to marry him. <laughs> so she graduated same year as him, 1971, and did join him in his uh, yeah. Gesundheit institution. Spaghetti scene. Real or fake? I hated that scene so much. Please let it be fake. It's obviously fake, but I guess they were trying to illustrate some of the things, the lengths that Patch Adams might have gone to with one of his patients, but they were nothing to do with that. Here's just an example of the kind of lengths he went through with his patients. They weren't like arbitrary Make-A-Wish Foundation weird shit. It was just like, he does have one story where he had a schizophrenic patient. And with this patient, hugged, he... He was hugged for 10 hours straight. Whoa. Whilst being told, I love you, I love you. Oh. That was like a an example of the kind of caregiving yeah. uh, that he dished out. Uh, so I guess they were trying to illustrate that he went to lengths to sort of give care specifically that that person might have needed. Nothing to do with, I always had a fantasy of swimming in spaghetti. Okay, that was so random and so weird. <laughs> 
so as soon as she said did it, it makes sense like, why why everything you're like what's the point though like yeah why what is this right. fantasy <laughs> next thing patch adams pioneered a therapeutic clowning or clown doctoring true or false False. True. Oh, shit. He did. He obvious. <laughs> okay. Before we get into that, the last true or false, before we start getting into the clown doctoring, true or false, laughter is the best medicine, Abby. True. This is very misleading. Depending on this what type of condition you have. <laughs> Firstly, it's not about laughter and mm. it's not about medicine. Okay? Yeah. So, firstly, Patch just found that clowning is a really useful way to break tension and dissolve conflict. Actually, he said that he uses clowning when he sees people fighting in public or he sees a parent telling off a a, a kid. He often will, like, just turn up in something ridiculous and he says it just makes them forget their conflict and start laughing. He just found it as a way to reach people. Yeah, it's not about laughing, but it allows people to let their guard down. And eventually the idea is that they accept love, essentially. So people sort of have a guard up. They're very uncomfortable in modern times with accepting loving as part of their caregiving. But he found clowning as a good way to sort sort of break the tension. But about the medicine bit, that Patch Adams model is not about curing disease, but providing care. Right. Okay. So he says, and the movie is just not very clear about any of this. The movie says, treat the person, not the disease. You kind of almost, I guess it's about caregiving. If the person dies the next week, I mean, it's not about curing them. It's about providing care. Yeah. Which is much bigger than just, did the disease go away or not go away? Sometimes people die. Again, the movie struggles a bit to make a point about death. Yes, people die is the point. But it's like, people died in your clinic. Yes, what's wrong with death? I mean, it's struggling to kind of make the point of like, you know, uh, guiding somebody out of life is caregiving too. Yeah. Right. So medical clowning, uh, we've mentioned already that it's much more complex and laughter is the best medicine. That's stupid. Um, And uh, we've mentioned that he's pioneered the idea. But professional clown doctors began working in hospitals later under a program called the Big Apple Circus Clown Care Unit, yeah. started by a man called Michael Christiansen in New York City. Wow. That was in 1986. And clown doctor programs operate in every state of Australia. Thank you very much. New Zealand, in many places in the United States, in the UK, Canada, Israel, South Africa, Hong Kong, Brazil, Belarus, Taiwan, all over Europe. Europe just gets, that's what Europe gets. And in some parts of India. Um, Relating to what I said before about, um, it's not just about making people laugh, clowning. Medical clowning incorporates techniques like fantasy, parody, playfulness to, as we mentioned, empower patients. It's not just about making them laugh. It's about empowering them. Like in that scene Mm. where he's basically empowering the guy through clowning is the mechanism he's drawing him out, but is allowing him to have some sort of uh, 
power, you know, because how empowering would it be to be making fun of the things that scare you? Yeah. Right? Right. To laugh in the face of, of death is an empowering experience. Laughter isn't the end point. When it comes to children in a hospital, clowning also provides an emotional lift to children in a situation where they have no control over anything. So it serves that purpose as well. If I'm going to sing, I just want to single out Israel with clown doctoring for a second because it's a little bit different there. Now, medical clowns are completely incorporated into the system in Israel, into medical system, as opposed to places where clowns will visit every week. You know, they'll visit for a few hours, maybe more, maybe less, kind of like the scene where Robin Williams visits the kids. Mm. Clowns are actually part of medical staff. In Israeli hospitals. Wow. Clowns are actually called in to assist, as it were, in invasive medical procedures. Oh, my God. Yeah. And and the, I, I heard a beautiful quote from an Israeli clown doctor. Um, he said, the clowns are called in to work with your healthy part, where the medical doctors work with your sick or diseased part. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. I really, I really like this. I think, like, I kind of got the message from the movie a little, like the treat the patient, not the um the disease. I, I, I got where they were trying to go with it, in that. You, you, if you act as if the patient as a person doesn't exist, and you're only focused on this. They're, you know, a number to you and you're just focused on whatever the the condition is, then the person is never comfortable. And when you're going in and you're having something scary done or you're like a kid in a hospital all day and you're bored and you've got nothing to entertain you or to do or other than to sit there in your kind of pain or sorrow, having somebody who's going to come along and help distract you from it or confront it or you know just bring you a bit of lightness into your day or just you know even just to talk Mm -hmm. to you or like you said about that that lovely thing where where he held like that guy for 10 hours like you know Mm. just being creative being compassionate creative yeah silly all these different things recognizing when somebody is in a situation that is uncomfortable or intimidating or scary or whatever and Mm. just allowing there to be a companion that helps mm-hmm. in whatever way works for that person, that individual. That's really beautiful. There, there are loads of studies that talk about the uh, the therapeutic benefit of clowning as well, which I'll post some of those. In what situations does it actually improve outcomes? I mean, it doesn't have to work against conventional medicine, of course, but these things can all be incorporated in a system. It's not about which is better, this or this. It's about saying like, we can be um, creative or spontaneous in the way we give care to people based on their needs. The The staff also need it. They also need some sort of lightness or to feel some positivity in their interactions with these patients yeah. so that they can go home and live their lives without just feeling like this cold thing of like, oh, another person died Emptiness. today. Actually, the feeling of emptiness within doctors is a well-recorded well thing. Mm. This is a system which is broken on many levels. And part of what Patch Adams was trying to do was help 
the doctors as well. And as you'll see in a minute, in his system, the doctors are as important as the patients in that sense. So from his, his pioneered clown doctoring, uh, that's a big part of it. But then, of course, the movie talks about the Gesundheit Institute. So you wanted to know, where is it today? Yeah. Where's Gesundheit? So, so basically, um, he started the Gesundheit Institute out of medical school. Okay. He did it for, for 12 years and he saw thousands of patients uh, amazing experience. It was super radical. They couldn't find funding. The mm. staff actually paid to be there. A lot of them had to have jobs, other jobs to pay for being a doctor. Wow. So they decided that um, in 1984, they couldn't keep operating in this way, that to close it down and to actually make a plan of a proper model that would function and build a facility. Okay. So they decided to go public and he decided he agreed essentially to become famous to promote it. So the Gesundheit Institute or the pilot hospital they were trying to build, the model of a hospital, um, had these policies. You ready? Yeah. No charge, no health insurance reimbursement, no malpractice insurance because they felt like it was the doctor's right to sometimes make a mistake. Uh, initial consultations with the patient, three to four hours. Wow home as a hospital then integration of all the healing arts together then integration of medicine with performing arts that's the clown doctoring arts and crafts nature agriculture education recreation and social service and finally as we mentioned before the health of the staff is as important as the, as the health of the patient so this is the model that he was trying to build so more than just laughter it's addressing real problems in America of healthcare, real issues of medical burnout, real issues of, uh, you know, having creativity around the style of care, et cetera, et cetera. So what ended up happening, he agreed to become famous and this movie was a big part of sort of them agreeing to have the publicity. He says that the idea was like he would get a hospital out of it, the movie, um. but he never got anything out of the movie. What? You know, I saw an interview with him like a year ago where he was like, I never got anything out of it. I was supposed to get a hospital out of the movie. I got nothing out of the movie. The hospital remains unfinished till today. They're still raising money. They, yeah, I mean, obviously the model that they're describing is not something that will get funding. It needs donations. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they broke ground in 2011. Um, but it's it's he is still working tirelessly all the time on this. Um, so since they closed down while they wait for the hospital, they've incorporated a whole lot of other things into Gesundheit institution, uh, including or starting with the clowning trips. So they decided in 1985 that they wanted to start also like thinking about peace. And so they decided to do a clowning trip to Russia, which they've now done every single year. They do missions for peace, clowning trips. They also visit orphanages and, you know, um, they do all sorts of things. Um, refugee camps, war zones, they go on clowning trips, disaster sites. They went on a clowning trip in Haiti after the earthquake. They um, deal with um, children that are in a sex trafficking, clowning trips. So they do an enormous amount of things. It's about six or seven clowning trips per year until today that they do dealing with a number of issues around the world. So they're actually really immersed in 
really awful problems in the world trying to use clowning or to use their model to help deal with a number of issues and he works exhaustively it goes around speaking as much as he can to raise money um, to finish his dream which is to build a hospital with this sort of model and it's still going on Abby wow because I was that was the thing I'd seen that it had ran for 12 years and then I was like what's gone on then but that's interesting to know that like it still exists but just not as a physical hospital at the moment but Jesus like that must be so hard trying to fund Mm -hmm. for trying to fundraise for something like that the amount of money that it would take to be able to achieve everything that you and I suppose like people are going to be hesitant about trying to fund something that is I mean the like the no malpractice insurance like no like do you know because what does Mm -hmm. that mean for the doctors and stuff um yeah he says he has plenty of doctors that want to work for him because he believes that's what a lot of people want to work in that environment but yeah no money yeah oh man he told Roger Ebert actually I hate that movie (laughs) so he's he's not thrilled about it i think that he thought that it would mean something for the hospital and that mm. didn't quite emerge uh so yeah they didn't do to- they didn't make this movie as a let's tell the story of patch adams they made this movie as oh there's this dude who's doing clowning we can make this a really naff yeah for um, robert williams vehicle. like yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I, I would I would believe that Robin Williams probably would have wanted to do the movie. Like, I I mean, I don't know. I didn't know him. But I would believe from the type of person he was that he would have wanted to do it for the same reasons as why Patch Adams wants, like the real Hunter Adams wants to do, like wants the Gesundheit Institute. I would believe that they would have the same feelings and thoughts towards that. But mm. um, movie making it- is you know it's it sucks yeah it sucks yeah he um he's just one of those guys he's he's worked tirelessly on this same thing he said the same thing he goes 100 he has all these programs that he's developed to give the same speeches over and over again to people asking for the same thing fighting for the same thing like exhaustively but he says like do you know what's hard like he's like this isn't hard hard is being in a job you hate being in a marriage that sucks He's like hard is going past the mirror and not being like, he's like, go past the mirror every single time and be like, yeah, baby. He's like, if you do that, then your life isn't hard. It's true though. It is. It's like, it's so weird. I was saying it to, um, I was talking about this the other day because when I wanted to go to university, the thing that people kept saying to me was like about my age. They were like, oh, but you're going to be like in your mid thirties by the time you finish. Why would you want to do that? And I was like, why do you want me to stay doing a job that I don't like? Like Mm -hmm. where I'm unhappy and stressed out all the time just because of like an age. Like, why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we make ourselves things? We have to do certain things in a certain Mm -hmm. way. It's like, why can't we just go, oh, that's fun. And I like doing that. And that makes me happy. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it just yeah. means that you're like, you know. Or the yeah. idea that after a certain age, like you get too old. So it's like yeah. <laughs> once you're 29, you're like that's too old, let alone 35. Like he's still going. He's 76. Ice cream van time. It's time for the ice cream van. By the way, the ice cream van has been hovering around during this lockdown from place to place. <gasps> oh, the kids all run out. It's adorable. Oh. 
Sorry. I'm just like, there we go. Yeah, yeah, he's a pretty amazing guy. I love listening to him. He just, he does at this point sort of sound just kind of crazed, but I kind of love it. Sort of like Bernie Sanders in that way. It's yeah. like, I've been going on about the same thing for 50 years. I was right about all of it. Why are you guys listening <laughs> yeah. to me? Well, because you probably do start to go a bit crazy when you're just like, why are people not getting this? What the fuck? Come on. I know. We talked about Jane Goodall like a, a month ago. Um <clears throat> she's sort of also, but she seems to do it with a sort of calmness and elegance yeah. about her. She she isn't crazed. But <laughs> she's, she's still she's calm. She's like she's like mom's mm, not remaining calm. I'm I'm good. I haven't given up on you. But you know, people like Bernie <laughs> and Pat are like her. <laughs> yes, the British reserve her politeness. <laughs> I thought that I can um, end the science section by talking about what is his vision. So if care and compassion are to be the core of a healthcare system, then hospital as concept, physical structure, symbol and site of the medical system in the largest possible scale needs to be reframed and reclaimed. So the Gesundheit hospital, what would that be? That would be a healthcare community based on friendship and mutual interdependence with a staff that lives in the facility with their families in a collective atmosphere of happiness, silliness, love, creativity, and cooperation. The atmosphere would enhance healing and relieve suffering. That's his vision, and that is the hospital that, till today, Patch Adams is still trying to build. And you can give him a donation if you want. We'll put the link in the show notes. <laughs> what this story needs is a really, really, really good, um, like Emmy award winning level documentary. Do you know, the guys who made Wild Wild Country, get out there. Let's go. Patch Adams. Do Make it. another series. Patch Adams. Do yeah. Patch Adams. Another Patch Adams. Make it darker. Get a bit more serious. Yeah. Don't make like with a guy who's got so many like his life is so much more outrageous than the events in the movie why did they have to add made up shit like that's what pisses me off as well (laughs) no just do the story speaking of all the shit in the movie which was highly (laughs) unnecessary and fucked up i think that we need to go and like just fucking rant because i need to rant a few about a few things and abby so do you let's play some music what the what the Okay, Abby, what in this movie made you say, what the fuck? (laughs) Welcome, gynos, at your cervix. (laughs) And the legs. Like the legs. Mm. Like why? Mm. That wasn't funny and quirky. That was the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I was lying awake last night devising a rant. Just in my head, just being like, what's my rant about this? What is it? Go on. Oh, ha, 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 ha. It's so funny. Gynecology is just the butt of, it's a punchline. Yeah. It's a punchline. Yeah. It's not um, the field of medicine that is about women's bodies and reproductive systems. No, it's a hilarious joke. You know? <laughs> Cervix. <laughs> but 
between a woman's legs, you mean the place that sex happened. <laughs> like, fucking hell. Stop giggling at gynecology, considering how substandard women's health is around the whole world. The fact that there is silliness around gynecology and shame around it, yeah. that a lot of women can't even say the words of their own reproductive parts. The fact that up until like the 70s, no one ever said any of these words, that women can't even name conditions, who are so embarrassed and ashamed to speak up, that there are medical procedures that cause women to have permanent damage because there isn't enough investment in any of those things. And yet it's a funny, hilarious joke in this dumb movie. <laughs> like the amount of, of diseases, extra diseases women can have on account of all these different organs, the amount, the horror that a lot of women go through on account of having these extra organs, the pain and suffering that a lot of women have to go through in silence, the expense of having all these extra organs, the amount of money that we have to spend that men don't have to spend because we have these extra parts, the fact that private health insurance is more expensive so that it covers obstetrics and gynecology for women because we have extra parts. And it's like... <laughs> What a hilarious joke. It's such a funny joke that men get to giggle at. Fuck that. Can I Amen. name all the parts? <laughs> Gonna name all the parts. Okay. okay. We have ovaries. We have fallopian tubes. We have a uterus. Yes, we have a cervix. And what's the channel that connects the cervix all the way to the outside world? It's a vagina. Yes. And outside, that's not the vagina, that's the vulva. That's the outside bit. The inside bit is called the vagina. We're allowed to say these words. They're part of our bodies. They're not a joke. They're not a punchline. They're our bodies. And they require a lot of care. And that's my fucking rant about that part of the movie. That, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't, because, like, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, just yes. Also, can you imagine how, like, uncomfortable, I mean, like, and it's still a little bit uncomfortable sometimes for me when I have to see a male doctor, but, like, could you imagine that time mm. as well? Because when they turn up, I mean, they are, all white men, like, that's what it is. And can you imagine being a yeah, woman? Yeah, 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 yeah. And ha having no other alternative, like not being able to request a female yeah. doctor, not being able to request someone who fucking understands the shit that you're going through. And just being told yeah. by men, like, no, 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 this is what it is. And it's like, okay, mm. but... Men can never understand this stuff. No. So the fact that, like, men find gynecology just the word silly and funny. Yeah. Like, it was a man who wrote that. It was a man who directed that. It was a man who starred. And, like, this was all done by men. Giggling at how funny gynecology is. And considering, like, it's, it's just not a laughing matter, considering how many places women have to fight for uh, healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. And so fuck that. Uh, okay. We should, we should, we should move to your what the fuck then. <laughs> my what the fuck. So, I mean, look, look, we've, we've touched on it. It's the predatory romance, yeah. the sexual harassment. It's the wow, wow that he does oh, yes. towards her. So she's like, I just want you at the fact, Okay, so they was like, what are you running away from? And she's like, you. And he goes, oh, wow. And then he goes, wow, wow. He actually made cat noises. Yeah. 
oh my god the fact that it validated that by like that she was running away from something really fucked me up as well because like it validated all of his shit because it turns out that she's implying that she had sexual abuse as a child oh yeah which of course it doesn't have it doesn't go into that either it just it's another serious issue the movie just touches on yeah Yeah. this is yeah oh god yeah and that's why she's running away from him and that's why she can't open up to him and it's like well how about the fact that like he just picked her out because she is one of like three or four women in the entire class and he went she's hot and then just wouldn't leave her the fuck alone like he kept going on and on and on on her and it's basically like oh you just must give me a chance must give me a chance and i've got a real issue with this specifically these days because it's like you just you know (laughs) you just your rant about the gynecology thing this has really been bothering me more and more so recently with this concept that we allow this whole rom-com idea of movies to make us think that men um, behaving in certain ways is supposed to be romantic and that this whole movie all yeah. it does this whole way through is like oh well she's just playing a bit hard to get and it turns out she was only playing hard to get because she was sexually abused as a child and they were putting that into a comedy for some reason and now she's allow- able to say I love you really I open my flower to you at your cervix whatever the fuck like it's just yeah it's, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like persist. I, I, I remember like what a bad yeah. message for young men. If you persist until somebody gives in, then that's what you want, right? Somebody yeah. who gives in after you don't give up. Like that's what you want. Not someone who from the get go maybe wants you. No, like the goal is to, to persist so much until she gives in. Yeah. And then, like that's what you want really. But like she, as you said, she literally says in the movie, go away. And he doesn't go away. And it's really <laughs> annoying. <laughs> so when someone tells you, he's, hey boys, for all the young men out there listening to this podcast, if a woman says go away, it's, I mean, it's. But yeah, you, you should, should go away. away. Yeah. <laughs> like for fuck's sake. And, and it's actually a really good way to segue straight into our final verdict. Oh yeah, go on. Because doesn't pass the Oh yeah, Sam's no, test. of course not. <laughs> It was only, she's no, the it only doesn't. woman, right? Or a couple of the nurses. She's the only woman and they force... There are some nurses, yes, <laughs> who are all like in love with him and, yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's the it's the male... It's, it's the patriarchal institution that stands in his way, uh, not the kindly nurses, so that's yeah. nice. But, um, yeah, the only real woman that's there with the name is is solely created to create romance yeah. for him. And then, of course, that her death... Oh, so weird. ...is a point of change for him. Yeah, right? it was... They just have to kill her to to put him onto a new sort of place where he could go... Yeah. Uh, ...whatever. And that even, like, a butterfly, she's reincarnated as a butterfly. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that scene where he's on the hill and his cargo pants pockets are flopping in the wind <laughs> made me want to fucking gouge my eyes out. <laughs> Amazing. Or just throw up on the screen. <laughs> what were those pads? What were they made of? Seriously, Rayon. Seriously. Is it supposed to make her like seem younger or something? With these crazy contrasting outfits with the cargo pants in every single scene. That like was every thing. Yeah, exactly. The shirts were kind of was like, I'm so zany. I wear silly shirts pa- in comparison to Patch the other Adams. doctors. <laughs> comparison i've seen pictures of the real patch adams and yeah he's got like cute bow ties and suspenders and things like colorful suspenders and stuff but like it's not like oh a different color hawaiian shirt today (laughs) (laughs) 
Lol. All right, what's the next? Um, did it pass the science test? Oh. Here comes the science test. All wrong. Fuck, it didn't get any of the message across about yeah. what Patch Adams is actually trying. If they would have, maybe would have made people would have given money. Maybe people saw the movie and they were like, you're just a cunt. Of course people weren't like, yeah, of course he didn't get anything out of it after they made this fucking trash of his story. Mm. Ugh. Yeah, it's like, oh, I have to fill these forms out. Don't fill the forms out. Go straight through. <laughs> like, I know you're trying to present like a microcosm of like what Patch Adams is actually fighting against, but like... <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit more than it that. It deserves a much. It's like you said. It deserves. A, it deserves a much darker and more serious approach to be able to show the struggles that people go through mm. when they're faced with these systems and how detrimental that can be on them and on their lives. What it needed yeah. was not Corinne to just randomly be murdered by some fucking patient, <laughs> which al- which also actually showed that what he was doing was not good and you shouldn't do that because she <laughs> got randomly murdered. What it, but of course they never discussed yeah, that. Yeah, what it deserved was more kind of like maybe something happens to her and, you know, her losses. So like, I don't know, just... Or her struggle with being a doctor. In the movie, the movie came out and failed to fund them. And that's part of the movie. It can be really. Let's make make a new movie that brings this movie into it. (laughs) Inception. Called Patch Adams. Somebody do it. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first. All right. Final verdict. What do you give it out of? Out of five drips that are apparently there for you to just like yank around and play with, um, giving it out of five, I'm drips. giving it a one, one drip, point five for Robin Williams and point five for Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> I I think I agree. Not only is it like fails in its ability, like can't tell the story, it's really bad. So I have no qualms about giving this a one. Yeah. <laughs> we agree. This was. Funny, terrible. Um, and next movie is supposed to be good. Yes. What is it? I have picked, it's not necessarily that it is a good science movie. I have picked a good movie. I have picked a good science fiction movie. I yes. would like us to do Blade Runner 2049. Oh, yeah, because I haven't seen Excellent. it. And I thought because I it's still recent enough wait. since we did the Philip K. Dick miniseries that it'd be a nice way to kind of close it all out and we can talk a little bit more about some of the those kind of concepts that came up in the original Blade Runner as well because it is a direct continuation mm. from that movie. Um, so yeah, so I thought it'd be fun to, fun to look at look at that in a little bit more scientific detail mm. rather than what we did in the miniseries. So yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. I realize now we forgot to talk about the movie lecture, unfortunately. Oh shit! And I forgot to I forgot to write, I forgot to read out that the whole lecture. But We're going to make doctors out of you. <laughs> oh, that's the bell. Uh, okay, see you next week. <laughs> All right, so that's this episode. Next week, what's next week? Something about Jumanji, a I think. Oh. <laughs> No, it is Jumanji. Welcome Jumanji, to welcome the to the jungle is next time. Okay, cool. 
So, and then after that, it's Blade Runner 2049, Ryan Gosling style, Harrison Ford. Great. Catch us then. If you want to get in touch with us, please do. Science at the movies at gmail.com or on Instagram at science at the movies. Thanks for listening.